good to be here. There we go. Okay. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. As I was just saying, it is, it is really good to be here. Uh, it's good to see lots of old friends who I've known for 20 plus years, and it's great to sing God's praises with you. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 to 11. This is one of my all-time favorite uh, Christmas texts. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Please stand to honor the reading of God's word. Philippians 2, verse 1. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let, e let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God. Please be seated. And I'm going to pray one more time. Because I'm aware of my need for God's help this morning. Father, we are so thankful for giving us your holy, inspired all-sufficient, life-giving word. Father, we pray that you would speak to us very specifically through Holy Scripture this morning. Father, I pray that Jesus Christ would be magnified. Father, I also pray that you would guard my lips very carefully. Have me only say what you want me to say and in the spirit that you want me to say it. Father, we confess that unless you send your spirit, nothing good will happen this morning in our hearts and lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you love Christmas music, raise your hand. Most of us. Okay. Over the last few years, I have created not one, not two, not three, but four amazing Spotify Christmas playlists. I have a Christmas jazz playlist. I have a Christmas pop playlist. Don't judge me. I have a uh, Christmas choral playlist, and I have a Christmas instrumental playlist. I love Christmas music. Now, a few years back, I started playing my Christmas music in early December. But I was feeling especially rebellious a few years ago, be began playing my Christmas music in November. 
This year I lost my mind and began playing my Christmas music in October. I figured if the big bag box stores put out their Christmas stuff in October, I could play my Christmas music in October. So I felt fully justified in doing that. Now, why do so many of us love Christmas music? Because Christmas music, like Christmas wreaths, Christmas trees, gift giving, the red holiday cups at Starbucks, all those things put us into a Christmas mindset. Now, how many of you love the Christmas mindset? Raise your hand. Okay. Which raises the question, what exactly is the Christmas mindset. Music usually puts us there, but what exactly do I mean by the Christian mindset, Christmas mindset? It's probably not what you think it is. Christmas is first and foremost about the incarnation of Jesus Christ or the birth of Jesus Christ, and the incarnation is an inconceivably profound act of humble, lowly service. Therefore, the Christmas mindset is first and foremost a mindset of humble, lowly service. So when you hear those Christmas songs this time of year when you're shopping at Walmart, think of humble, lowly service. That brings us to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 as the Apostle Paul's meditation, in one sense, on the Incarnation. And as Paul thinks about God taking on flesh, God becoming a baby, he um, also thinks about humble, lowly service. And he tries to encourage us or motivate us to engage in humble, lowly service as we follow the example of Christ, who took the lowest step imaginable by becoming a man and dying on the cross. So to help us, put ourselves in a Christmas mindset. We're going to look at three components of this passage from Philippians 2 uh, that will put us in the Christmas mindset. So three points this morning. The mandate for humility, the model for humility, and number three is the motive for humility. And again, humility, humble, lowly service, is the very essence of the Christmas mindset. First, uh, is the mandate for humility. Paul commands us to humble ourselves in Philippians 2. But what does it look like to obey this mandate to humble lowly service? Well, humility, first and foremost, has a way of killing selfish ambition. Look with me at Philippians 2.3. Paul writes this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Now, according to one scholar, selfish ambition is what we want, while conceit is why we want it. In other words, we think because I'm better than you, smarter than you, and wiser than you, I deserve to have things my way. Selfish ambition. The two are related. This mentality destroys marriages, destroys businesses, and destroys churches all the time. But humility seeks to kill selfish ambition. In addition, humility um, esteems others. Again, look at verse 3 with me. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others 
more significant than yourselves. A humble person is always counting others as more significant, more important, more worthy than themselves. In other words, they consider their spouse, their roommates, their co-workers, their boss, their neighbors um, as more important than themselves, which leads them to a constant mentality of other-centeredness. This is the kind of person that everyone wants to be around, right? And this mentality solves 10,000 conflicts. So humility kills selfish ambition. Uh, it esteems others. In addition, humility is constantly looking for ways to serve others. Now look at verse 4 with me. Paul writes, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. A humble person is constantly looking for specific ways to meet the needs of other people, to serve other people. This last week, we were sitting around our dinner table, and my son Peter said to me, Dad, why is there water dripping from the ceiling? <laughs> I, I looked, and I was like, nah. I hate water, by the way. It causes all kinds of problems. So that water is the result of what? What do you think that's the result of this time of year? Ice dams. How many of you have been battling ice dams? <laughs> Am I the only one? Wow. There's a lot more snow up north, I realized, this morning. So ice dams um, are on your roofs. Do you guys know what ice dams are? I'm seeing, wow, okay. You're all Spokaneites, right? Okay, <laughs> Anne, who's from North Spokane, knows, okay? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, ice dams is when ice forms on your roof and the gutters don't work. So the result was is that water ended up uh, in our house uh, falling down our kitchen wall. All that to say is that uh, Saturday, yesterday, at my discipleship group, I mentioned uh, my travail with ice dams. Um, and then one of the brothers texted me the ap yesterday afternoon and said, hey, Dave, I, I hear you're having ice dam problems. I'd love to come to your house and help you uh, go up on a ladder and fix your ice dams. Now, this guy has a wife and kids and a life. Yet in that moment, he considered my needs as more important than his own needs. He was looking for ways to serve others. And that service, by the way, meant cold, outside, on a ladder, on a roof. That was the epitome of the Christmas, the Christmas mindset. Someone willing to humble themselves and serve others. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, Dave, I want to grow in humility, but it's hard. I need some kind of model some details, some specifics to help me know what it actually looks like to have that Christmas mindset um, of humble, lowly service. What does that actually look like? Well, that brings us to the second point. So first is the mandate for humility. And second this morning is the model for humility. And of course, Jesus Christ uh, in his incarnation is the ideal model of humble, lowly service. Now in life, uh, there's always a ladder to climb, isn't there? Think about the very first place you lived when you moved out of your house when you were 19, 20, 21 years old. It was probably an inexpensive one-bedroom apartment somewhere in Spokane. But you wanted to climb a little higher, so you saved your money. You and your friends got a three-bedroom apartment. You wanted to climb a little higher. So eventually, you guys bought a condo. 
Then eventually you get married, you want to climb a little higher. So the first home you buy uh, is a nice little three-bedroom home with one bathroom and a one-car garage. But you want to keep climbing. And so the next home you buy is a five-bedroom home with two bathrooms and a three-car garage. Then when your kids finally leave the nest, you can climb a little higher and buy your dream house. Think about people that play in the NFL. There's always somewhere further to climb. That particular person starts out in high school playing JV football. They want to climb a little higher. The next year they play varsity. They want to climb a little higher, and then they get recruited by a Division I school. They want to climb a little higher. They get drafted in the NFL. They want to climb a little higher. They want to make the team. They want to be a starter. They want to climb a little higher. They want to make the Pro Bowl, but that's not the top. They want to climb even higher and someday be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Think about shoes. We start out with thrift store shoes or shoes from Walmart or Payless. Then we climb a little higher and we get the Target shoes. Then maybe the Reebok shoes. Then maybe the Nike shoes. Then the Adidas shoes. And then you want to climb a little higher, and you buy your first pair of Red Wing boots. How much do those cost? $350. But then you want to climb a little higher, and you want to buy the Knicks boots, made right here in Spokane. How much do those cost? $600. You want to climb a little higher, and you're going to buy a pair of Italian leather boots for $1,000. There's always some way to climb a little higher. And usually the higher we climb, the more status we feel, and status feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Am I the only honest person in here? Okay. Jesus Christ did the exact opposite of all that. He began at the very top of the ladder. And all he did was go lower and lower and lower. Well, to understand how low he went, we have to understand where he actually started. Where did he start? <laughs> at the very top of the ladder. Look with me at Philippians 2, 5 to 6. Paul says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Notice how he mentions there a mindset. Paul exhorts us to have the mindset of Jesus, which is the Christmas mindset. Verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. According to verse 6, prior to the incarnation, prior to Christ taking on flesh, Christ was in the very form, morphe, of God. Which means that Christ is the true and exact nature of God. Jesus Christ is fully God. Equal with the Father, equal with the Spirit. He has all the qualities of the divine. At the end of verse 6, we read that Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does that mean? Well, describing this phrase, to grasp, one scholar writes these words, in every instance, this idiomatic expression refers to something already present and at one's disposal. So the question is not whether one possesses something, but whether one chooses to exploit something. Paul's point is simply this, Jesus was God. But he chose not to exploit his position as God 
for his own advantage. So again, Jesus is fully divine, equal with the Father. He is the one who spoke the entire universe into existence out of nothing, hundreds of billions of galaxies. He is everywhere present in the universe and outside the universe. He knows all things actual and all things possible. He is divine. There is nowhere higher for him to go. He's God. He began at the very apex or top of the ladder, which makes his descent so much more impressive. Now, the true story is told of a seminary in Australia which had some serious cash flow issues. They needed money. So they encouraged the entire student body to consider finding ways to serve the seminary for free. So they created a job board of all the things that had to be done, all the jobs that had to be done, menial labor, menial tasks. And most of the students signed up for all kinds of jobs. But there was one job in particular that no one ever signed up for. This job was too dirty, too lowly, too humble, too gross. Guess what the job was? The job was cleaning all the public toilets at the seminary. No one volunteered for that job. And again, this was all to keep the seminary afloat. Yet none of the students were willing to stoop that low. But amazingly, all those bathrooms somehow remained clean. And no one knew how that was happening. Until one morning, one of the students was up very early and he was in the basement of the seminary. And there he saw the seminary president on his hands and knees with a scrub brush in hand scrubbing all the toilets. The most important person in the entire seminary, the person who had the most power, the most clout, the most distinction, he was the one who stooped the lowest. He was the one that volunteered to clean all the toilets when no one else would. His high and exalted status at the top of the ladder makes his lowly service unfathomable. Yet how much higher did Christ begin? And how much lower did Christ stoop? So Christ begins at the very top of the ladder, yet, amazingly, Christ steps down by taking on flesh. Look with me at verse 7 and verse 8a of Philippians 2. Paul says, referring to Christ, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Now, dur during the early part of the 20th century, many liberal theologians had a heyday with the phrase, emptied himself. And they argued that what that meant was, was that Jesus emptied himself of his divine attributes. He was not actually God. He emptied himself of his divinity when he took on flesh. This is called the kenosis theory, and it comes from the word kanao, which, mean mean, which means to empty uh, oneself. Now, over the years, that theory has been debunked for a variety of reasons. That's not at all what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Paul's not saying that Jesus ceased to be divine in the incarnation. Well, then what does it mean that Christ emptied himself? Verse 7, by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men. Well, Paul tells us exactly what he means. He didn't empty himself of his 
divine nature, but he emptied himself of the rights and the privileges of that divine nature by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And notice how the Apostle Paul in verse 7b emphasizes the fact that Jesus, the divine Son of God, was born at Christmas. At Christmas, we celebrate the incredible miracle of the Incarnation. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was born as a human. He emptied himself. He remained God, but took on flesh. One ancient theologian says it like this, uh, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. He remained divine, added to his divine nature a human nature, two distinct natures in one person. And he had to be both to save us. But again, notice that the Apostle Paul emphasizes in verse 7 that God was born in the likeness of men. This is the utter scandal of Christmas. God Almighty becomes a human baby. The maker of all things becomes a helpless fetus. Is there anything more helpless than a baby, than an infant? Without their mothers, infants die. Babies depend on their moms for everything, clothing, food, diapers. Furthermore, parents must protect their infants from all kinds of things. Crawling down the stairs, eating nails, drowning in pools, falling over cliffs. Furthermore, parents must teach their kids everything. And make no mistake, in Christ's human nature, he did not know all things. He had to learn everything from his mom and dad. So in his divine nature, he knew all things. But in his human nature, he had to learn things, like how to eat, how to control his bladder, how to read. He had to learn those things from his mom, whom he created out of nothing. Furthermore, consider the humble circumstances of Christ's birth. He was not born in Sacred Heart Hospital in 2022 with doctors and nurses and medical equipment nearby. He deserved the best hospitals in the world, the best doctors and nurses in the history of the world. Yet, he was born in a dirty, unsterilized stable that probably reeked of manure. The only sound was the sound of chickens and pigs and cows. That's how the maker of all things chose to enter the world. Furthermore, he was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem probably had a population of 300 people. Bethlehem makes Deer Park seem like a massive, sprawling metropolis. If you're from near Deer Park, no offense. Bethlehem was this teeny tiny village, not even a town, in a small backwards corner of the massive Roman Empire. Christ chose all these circumstances. He chose all the details of his birth. And he chose to enter into the world in incredibly humble circumstances. He stepped incredibly low. He walked down the ladder about a million or a billion rungs by being born of a virgin in these poor, backwards 
circumstances. Why? Why was Christ born of a virgin in a Bethlehem stable? Because he's the humblest person to ever live. And these steps down prove that. But why did Christ come? Why was he born of a virgin? He was born of a virgin to live a perfect life and save all of us from the penalty of sin. Which brings us to the next step down. Could Christ step down any lower than the incarnation? Yes. The next step down is the cross. Look with me at verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now here, Christ's descent bottoms out. He can't go any lower. He dies on a Roman cross. One scholar says this, crucifixion was the ultimate disgrace. A public statement by Rome that the crucified one was beyond contempt. No other form of death, no matter how prolonged or physically agonizing, could match crucifixion as an absolute destruction of the person. It was the ultimate counterpoint to the divine majesty of the pre-existent Christ. And before Christ was crucified, don't forget that he was whipped, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was spit on. And then, after his back was a bloody, bruised, pulverized mess, he was hung on a cross. And on the cross, most people took two or three days to die. It was a brutal, slow, humiliating, agonizing death. The victims were crucified naked. They lost all control of their bodily functions. Most of them did all kinds of bad things on themselves as they hung there naked. They died slowly of asphyxiation. They couldn't breathe. It was a horrible, horrible way to go. It was excruciating. In fact, that word, excruciating, comes from the Latin word crux, which is the word for cross. That word comes from crucifixion. It's hard to imagine a lower step or more pain or more humility or more humble, lowly service than suffering and dying on the cross when you're innocent. He didn't deserve this. This is what we deserve because we break God's laws every day. But Christ was innocent, and yet he still volunteered to be born of a virgin and then to stoop even lower to die on a cross. Can one go any lower? When I was in junior high, I had a season pass at the old ice palace in downtown Spokane. I'd go there most Saturdays and ice skate most of the day with my friends. And every Saturday, there was a limbo contest on the ice. And I was really, really short back then, so I was kind of a big deal uh, in the limbo world at the Ice Palace. And so they would form a, a huge line, 50, 60, 70 skaters, and they'd, they'd pull out the, the limbo bar and start out at about five feet. Everyone would skate underneath it. If you, if you touched the, the bar, you were out. So when everyone went through, they would eliminate people, and they, they would lower the limbo bar a little bit lower. So five feet then lower to four feet, then lower to three and a half feet, then lower to three feet, then two and a half feet. And the question was, how low is someone going to go? Can they go two feet? Can they go a foot and a half? 
Some kids could. Hard to believe. And again, the question is, could Christ stoop any lower? No. This was the lowest possible place that he could stoop. Why did Paul pen the words of Philippians 2, 6 to 8? Because the Apostle Paul wants all of us to adopt the Christmas mindset, which is a mindset of humble, lowly service. Look again with me at Philippians 2, 4 to 7. Notice what Paul says. Let each of you look not only to, your, to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind or this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Paul is exhorting us to adopt the mindset of Christ, and then he spells out for us what that means. The mindset of Christ, the mindset of Christmas, is the mindset of the incarnation and the crucifixion, the mindset of humble, lowly service. And we are called to imitate Christ's example of humble, lowly service. What does this look like? This means running to the dirtiest job possible. How many of you have had sickness in your house recently? Okay, a lot of you have. A few nights ago, I heard the awful sound of a child barfing. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, I thought we were past this. Our oldest child is now nine. When the kids were young, I would say, hey, kids, if you can make it in the toilet, I will give you an hour of video games. I'll do whatever it takes to avoid cleaning up the barf. So I heard that awful wrenching noise, and then I heard splatter, then I heard screaming. I thought, okay, who's going to deal with this, myself or my lovely wife? I'm not going to tell you what happened, because <clears throat> I don't want to brag or anything, you know. But in those situations, those are fantastic opportunities to adopt the Christmas mindset, to run towards the humble, lowly service, cleaning up the barf, volunteering for the shift that no one wants at work. Doing that huge stack of dishes for your slobbish roommate who left them there. Playing board games with your spouse even though you want to watch the big game. Giving that money away when you think you need it. Or volunteering to shovel the driveway for your elderly neighbor or your parents' children. When was the last time you volunteered? for humble, lowly service. That thing you really did not want to do. Christ is the model. He's the example. He's meant to inspire us to humble, lowly service. Running to the job that no one else wants to do. Well, why else did Paul pen the words of Philippians 2, 6 to 8? Not only is Christ our model of humble, lowly service, Christ is also the Savior for all of those people like you and me who repeatedly serve ourselves 
and fail to serve those around us. This text reminds us that Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross because we deserve to die on the cross, because of all of our arrogance and pride. Every time that we choose to serve ourselves and we refuse to serve others, that's sin. But Jesus came to earth, humbled himself, suffered and died so that all of our sins, including the sin of arrogance and pride and selfishness, all those sins, if you're a Christian, can be forgiven. Because Jesus considered your needs more important than his own needs when he hung on the cross and took the guilt that all your sins deserve. So Christ is our model and he's also our savior. Thankfully, he forgives and he forgives and he forgives people like you and me who repeatedly fail to humbly serve those around us. And when he forgives, that provides fresh motivation for you and I to continue to serve those around us. Now maybe you're thinking at this point, Dave, I want to adopt the Christmas mindset. I want to humble myself, but what's in it for me? That brings us to the last point. So first is the mandate for humility, second is the model for humility, and third and finally is the motive for humility. The motive for humility. What motivates humility? Well, in this passage, we clearly see that God exalts those who humble themselves. Christ is the model. He's the paradigm. He humbled himself, and God the Father exalted him. Look at verses 9 to 11 with me. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Notice that word, therefore. Therefore, in light of all the things that Christ suffered, in light of Christ stepping so low on the ladder, in light of Christ coming down and, and humbly serving others, in light of all that, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, metaphorically speaking, Christ began at the apex, the Mount Everest, 30,000 feet above sea level before the incarnation. And then he stepped down. He climbed down the ladder. And he ended up at the lowest point on planet Earth, which is the Dead Sea Valley. That is 1,400 feet below sea level. That's the incarnation. Can Christ go any lower? Yes. The lowest spot on planet Earth requires one to be submerged in salt water. The lowest spot is the Marianas Trench, 36,000 feet below sea level. That, my friends, is the crucifixion. Christ began at Mount Everest, took on flesh, the Dead Sea Valley, went even lower, Marianas Trench. As a result of Christ stooping so low, God the Father has exalted him to the highest place above Mount Everest. Now Jesus Christ is considered King of kings and Lord of lords, and every single knee will one day bow to King Jesus. He is in the place of highest honor because he humbled himself so low. And that is the paradigm of the Christian life. When you and I decide 
to humble ourselves, to serve others, to take on the Christmas mindset, God exalts us. Now, we shouldn't humble ourselves to be exalted. Nonetheless, Paul makes it very, very clear in Philippians 2 that when Christ humbled himself, the result was eventually Christ was exalted to the highest place. There's no higher place that he can go. That's the paradigm for us. Now, that exaltation may not take place in this life. In fact, it probably won't. But someday in eternity, God will exalt all those who humble themselves, who engage in the dirtiest, nastiest, lowliest acts of service. Those are the ones that will be in the highest place in heaven. And that's the motive that God gives us. God gives us several motives in the Bible for obedience. And one of those is, when we humble ourselves, God exalts us. And practically speaking, we all know this. We all want to be around people that are humble and that are servants. They make churches and businesses and families flourish. God promises to exalt those who humble themselves. Which raises the question, will you humble yourself? Will you take on the Christmas mindset? When you do, God in his grace will exalt you like he exalt, exalted his own son, Christ. Well, it is the Christmas season. It's the season for Christmas lights, Christmas trees, Christmas wreaths, Christmas music, and again, those red holiday cups at Starbucks, which we all know means Christmas. This Christmas season... Hopefully, you and I will adopt the Christmas mindset. What is that mindset? It's the mindset of the incarnation and the cross. It's the mindset of humble, lowly service. Is this your mindset this time of year? Let's pray together. Father, we confess that none of us meet this standard. Lord, we confess that so often we are out to serve our own interests and needs. We want to be right. We want to be served. Father, we pray that you would help us look to Christ, to his incredible model of humble, lowly service. Lord, thank you for coming to earth, being born of a virgin, suffering and dying for us, removing all of our sins. Father, help us to take great inspiration in the example of Christ this week. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.